and he told me this story, right? And then now I've heard it from Steve and them. And when, you know, me and Tapper started kind of working together again, now like I made them retell me the story too. But yeah, so Lane was supposed to sing on that song. They had, a, I guess when Lane passed away, you'll have to have Steve or Phil on here. Maybe we'll all come on here one day together and talk about this and they can tell oh, you. Oh, yeah. Story. I, I guess, I guess, but Lane, when, when he passed away, he had like a Walkman on or with him. And the CD in it was that track. So the last thing Lane was listening to in his life was that Tapper song. Literally the day after he passed away, Steve and Toby were supposed to fly up to Seattle to go meet with him about doing it. And I, I guess the last thing he listened to supposedly before he passed away was the, the Kevin Spacey track for the for the Tapper record. That's insane. So. Yeah, the, I mean, just the just the fact that he was going to be on Taproot. I mean, what would you got to wonder what would happen with Taproot if Lane Staley actually did that song, and what would that would be? Hey. I didn't know, you're not supposed to have a core office than me. Fuck that. Like, that's, that's <laughs> acceptable. Do you really have the fucking Metallica pinball machine? Fuck you. Dude, I just, I had Rob on the show from uh, Camara, and he said the, that's the first thing he, he mentioned was that. That's pretty funny. What is that Faith and War thing behind your head? So, that, that's so funny. That? You and Rob talk about the exact same thing. So, there's a company called Check Check Your Head, named after Beast oh, of Is that a skateboard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So check your head. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with check your head. I mean, I I run volatile skateboards. I don't know if you even know that. I basically uh, like, your head is like a friend of our owner of the owner of volatile John. But I mean, I run volatile with John. I do all the marketing. We do helmet, dark throne, white zombie. I mean, we do. But yeah, I just couldn't tell from. I guess now look at it. It's just an old school shape. I've got to sit. I've, that's amazing. And I've got to send you a, a picture of Ivan from White Zombie signing my uh, volatile White Zombie skate deck. I have, I have it signed. That's so, that's so funny. That's so awesome. Yeah, I have the, I, I have a handful of them here. I have the Dark Throne helmet, White Zombie warrant. Yes, I got so, that helmet one. I got the Betty one too from you guys. You really? Yeah, I didn't. You know, I didn't have. So we'll have a lot to talk about. I was going to say too. Um, I know you're recording already, and this is all kind of good stuff. So I don't know if yeah. you want to. But um, no, man, yeah, we can uh, do whatever earlier if you wanted me to. I know this is such a good natural introduction. That I was going to say earlier, if you want, I was going to offer to send you kind of an updated list of what I'm doing and what I got going on. Just so you knew. So what to talk about. But I figured like we can go in blind and it'll just be more fun that way, you know, but, Let's but go yeah, in blind. I'm, the, I'm the market. Let's do it. We're already in blind. We're in, <laughs> we're in drive and blind. And I have a pocket full of ketchup, man. That's how my day is going. Oh, nice. Yeah. Like, some of it is that's... fire sauce. Some of it is fire sauce. It's not all. I stand corrected. It's... I have a pocket full of fire sauce. <laughs> that's the only thing that's hot over there. I mean, you said it was like 10 degrees, so you got some hot sauce. <laughs> oh, I got, you know, the building next to me, like 4 o'clock this morning. I'm literally, I was up late. And, and like three three thirty this morning, I was starting to fall asleep, right? And I'm on a, I'm on a rock and roll schedule. I mean, let's admit it. Um, so like three thirty, I'm falling asleep, right? All of a sudden, my dogs start freaking out. My dogs start freaking out, and behind them, behind my house, my window. So the firehouse for my little town. I live in a town of like five hundred people in the middle of nowhere in Wisconsin, right? So my dogs start freaking out, and there's all this action and sirens. I'm like, what the shit? 
like five so I, I can't fall asleep. They keep waking me up like a half hour later. My power goes out. That's and there was a crazy. huge snowstorm. A huge snowstorm yesterday. I'd say like a fucking blizzard. Like what I had to there was when I went outside today, there was a foot and a half of snow behind my car in my driveway. Right. So yeah. like even today I went out, I was gonna go to the post office. I had to walk, you know. So um yeah, so I, I called that, the that's power, insane. I call the power company and I go, Hey, I think there's an outage. And they go, no, it's because of the fire. We had to turn all the power off because it's we just didn't it's for some reason. Our, but then I found out there's a fire next door, literally the next building over from me burned down the ground. Like I didn't even know what building they're talking about until I went out today to go to the post office and saw it. And it's literally like the next building over. So my power was out and, and it's cold and there was no heat. No power also means no heat. So from five o'clock this morning until nine thirty this morning, I had no power and no heat in my house. And it Jeez. was like 15, 10 degrees outside. Do you got a fireplace or no fireplace? Uh, I Nothing. I got a blanket and some dogs. No. <laughs> At that point, <laughs> I would sit in my car, I think, or something. <laughs> Yeah, too cold in my car. I just hid under a blanket and waited it out. And finally, at like eight o'clock, I was smart. And I'm like, oh, I'll just turn on Netflix on my phone and fall asleep. And that's what I did. And I fell asleep. <laughs> so I got a lot of, uh, like you said, there's, I got, I, you know, I have a lot of questions for you, but, but you, you, you mentioned that you got some new stuff. And so why don't you just talk about what's going on new and then we can kind of do the new and then the old. Yeah. yeah. Well, we already kind of impromptu talked about in the, connection over here i yeah so i work for volatile skateboards volatile merchandise obviously you're familiar with the company you own some of our deck which is awesome oh i uh, just ordered the fear factory decks they're on the way you order, which, which one do you order obsolete or do you manufacture both <laughs> yeah i'm a skate deck dude man i, I need them all yeah me, me too man. well you know it's so cool we're about to do so you know they're like 70 bucks right all of our boards yeah. are like nice canadian maple pro model but you it. hang them on the wall like I do, right? You, I do the same you're thing. A wall hanger. You're a wall hanger. Me too, right? Oh, by the way, God, I got to share this later. Kemper <laughs> sent me a Motley, the, the Motley Crew snowboard the other day. It's the right. Ooh, I've seen that. Yeah, that's awesome. It's so, it's so cool. Yeah, we do. So we also, we do Kemper skateboards as well, where we, oh, we manufacture cool. Kemper's line of skateboards. Kemper snowboards, obviously a huge snowboard manufacturer for anybody who doesn't know. Um, but yeah, we do all of their decks. So we were at, we had a conference call with Jib the other day, the owner, and we're at Jib Hunt. He's a pro snowboarder, and he owns Kemper now. And uh, we had a call the other day, and I was just busting his chops about a Motley Crew board. And by the end of the call, I was like, fine, give me your address. And I, I'm a big Motley guy. Like, my whole yeah. life is Motley shit, you know? So, so he sent me one, and I was so, so excited. Dude, that's amazing. Oh. What What's your favorite Motley album? Do you have a, a favorite uh, go-to? Uh, you know, I don't all of the All of them, man. All the first... The first, I mean, obviously, Too Fast for Love and Shout of the Devil are closest to the heart, probably. But I love Theater of Pain. I love, you know, Dr. Feelgood. I loved, I love everything up through, you know, and I even love the John Karabi record, man, honestly. like Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Look at it in a different way than the original five, I guess, you know, but yeah, man, I like, I Shout of the Devil and Too Fast for Love, of course, but then. You know, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for theater of pain, too, and I love Dr. Phil. It was all such a formative time in my life when I discovered Motley. And if you look around my messy office, I got the decade to decade mobile up there. I don't know if you ever remember that or saw that when I, 
Uh uh-uh, uh, I've never seen that one. That's cool. Where is it? Can you see it? Yeah, I see it. Yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a decade of decades mobile, mobile with all of them hanging out. This oh, that's my, so cool. This is my shelf of nerdy shame up here. Some some Limbiscuit platinum right there. I I ordered a taproot deck from you guys as well. Did you order the tap? Well, no, that's what's funny. I'm your biggest fan, man. You know, I you got are. All- it's, it's so awesome, and, and you probably don't even know all this shit now, but. Yeah. I manage Tapper now. I'm kind of managing them, and and I just uh, signed. So I relaunched my label THC that had been kind of. So two years ago, I had heart failure. When in 2020, wow. I had heart failure, and uh, so I and and I was working with David Ellison, and he had his little issues, and I kind of parted ways with him, and sort of fucking soft retired man. You know, I wasn't planning on it, but you know, I, I made an angry post on Facebook one day, and then all of a sudden. You know, it's it's on blabbermouth and loudwire and revolver, and apparently I retired. So I'm like, oh, okay. And really, it wasn't the post was totally kind of taken out of context and whatever. It was just a venting Facebook post, but whatever. I really didn't give a shit, you know. But but yeah, so I really kind of did. I kind of stepped away from music. I started doing the skateboard thing. I started working with volatile and kind of being more on that side. And and yeah, and it's awesome because I brought in Fear Factory that collaboration and a lot of this newer stuff. I, you know, but I, I've known John for years. Like we did. A combat records board together and 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 a couple other things before we were just kind of friends all these years and i love skateboarding and i love the skateboarding community and the i mean I, i'm obviously way too old and fat to skate you know what yeah. i mean but i would die um but no, i love skateboarding in the skate community and that's kind of always been one of my things man like music yeah. movie you know, like skateboard lore. And I mean, I love like the, the Dogtown culture and the, you know, in the 80s, like Bones Brigade, Powell Peralta. And again, I skated when I was young. So again, kind of like those early Motley Crue records and all that real early shit skateboarding. And that early culture was just been a big part of my, you know, I got the Rob Roscoff face hanging behind me somewhere, you know, too. It's like, you know, so again, so I, yeah, so I kind of, Took some time off from music and was doing the skateboard thing with Volatile. And then uh, we obviously do skateboards and merch. And through that, you know, I started talking to Phil from Taproot. I wonder what Phil's doing. I might I might have Phil jump in with us at some point. He actually called me before. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but Phil from Taproot called me before when I was passed out. So I don't know. <laughs> wow. But nobody knows this. I'm an asshole. We were supposed to do this interview in like an hour ago, but I'm like a narcoleptic grandpa and I passed out on the couch after <laughs> all night. Or, and, and of course, I fucking forgot. We were supposed to do this interview last week and I'm an asshole and I forgot about it. No, you were, you're, yeah, man. you're awesome enough to research it. I'm just between my schedule and my brain malfunctions, you know, I'm just, yeah. you know, I, it just shit happens. You know, my health is it's good, but it's not great. And sometimes just little shit happens. I appreciate you, you know, putting up with it. But yeah, no, I was super stoked. No, absolutely. To do I'm glad we finally got to connect and do it. But anyways, a long story short, you know, two years kind of came back around. I started talking to Philly from Tapper, who I've been friends with for years. And, you know, they had put this out. Besides, I don't know if you have this. Yes, I, I got it. Yep. I saw it. Yep. I have it. You have every. Yeah. Yeah. The drummer. You talk, when you say Bill, yeah, you're talking. Jared put that out. Yep. Jared, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, he put a book out too, right? Didn't he? Or, he did, yeah, the rock or something. Star yeah. or something. Yeah, no, Jared's a cool dude. And Jared's actually, you know, he's kind of not in the band anymore, but he kind of is. Like Dave from Sponge is kind of the drummer, but now, like, they're doing Blue Ridge Rock Fest, and Jared is going to play that. And uh, um, 
yeah, I can't really talk about that, but um, I got to <laughs> close my mouth and there's stuff that's not announced yet that I kind of like, <laughs> about to start talking about. And I'm like, hi. Yeah, and I, I kind of really talk about it, like phone calls and stuff, which I'll tell you off the record. But yeah, I, I like, I freely am so used to talking about it on the phone, but I'm like, oh yeah, this is an interview. I can't. I, can't. <laughs> I, I know, man. It's easy to do that. Yeah. I know it is, especially me. Can I just, <laughs> <laughs> area of the mouth. Yeah, so Jared put out the the band put out the sides collection that Jared pretty much put together. It's like 150 tracks of yeah, basically, basically every song they've ever done. Steve recorded demos in his basement, and that's it's amazing. Yeah, and, yeah, and I love that. And and I was like, Phil, what the? F-? And I'm like, I asked him. They're like, Yeah, Jared just put it out. We did it independently. We did like 500 copies. It's pretty much been sold. I'm like, motherfucker, let me put it out. <laughs> Let me put that out for real. Like, let's do that. Yeah, so I mean, that's true. Why not? Yeah, you can. Exactly. You can... Well, we ended up doing the skateboards, and then we ended up doing the, the merch store. And, and, and Tabard's been, you know, kind of on hiatus for the last decade. They've played a couple shows here and there. They haven't put out a record in over 10 years. And, you know, so, and, and they just kind of weren't really communicative anymore. And it was just like kind of, you, know, you know what I mean? So they just yeah. weren't really into it, you know? So... I came back in and I was like, dude, let's do merch. I like I came like the ten million devil. Let's do merch. Let's do skateboards. Let's do this. Let's do this. And kind of did what I do and sort of just started stirring everything up. And so they agreed for me to put up besides. But then at the time I found out Steve had a whole new Taproot studio record ready to go that he wanted to put out. So I was like, look, let's just do this. So me and Steve started talking. And now me and Steve and me and Phil are kind of BFFs and we talk all day, every day. And it, it just came around to I restarted my label, THC Music, which, you know, I've put out stuff for American Head Charge before. I put out one of the Black Light Burns records for West Borland. I put out I put out a bunch of stuff on it, right? And uh, so I re- relaunched my label to kind of distribute and market these. I just did a new distribution deal, um, which is amazing worldwide and great. And basically, basically the same deal I had for EMP and everything I did before. Everybody doing the last eight years. That was all built on my con- connections and my you know, I got all the distribution deals and I got, I did everything. I mean, honestly, I mean, wow. call a spade a spade. I mean, David had nothing to do with it. Literally, he had nothing to do with the label. I ran it. I signed the band. I got, I got all the deals. And I don't think I've ever really said that publicly in that blunt of a, but it's the fucking truth. And, you know, David was a great spokesman and it was his idea to start it. And basically he just said, I want to start a label. And I said, Hey, I'll help you. That's what I do. I run labels. So I took the ball and I ran with it. I went and got our distribution deal with E1. Then I went that when E1 kind of winded down and I went and got us the distribution deal with Amped and all of our European deals and with SPV and everything else. And, and yeah, so basically, but you know, I, so yeah, I just sort of relaunched my label with, I went and got, you know, locked in new distribution and new stuff and, uh, you know, just sort of built on the same template of what I've been doing for the last 10 years, 20 years with EMP and combat and corporate punishment before that. And well, and then in the middle, I had THC. So I had corporate punishment in the, in the aughts, you know, and, but I'd obviously ghost machine and trigger point and all the, the trust companies. Some oh, trust I love trust companies. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. We, we did that. I don't know if you remember that Amity Lane record. It was basically what it was basically trust company, but they didn't want to, but it was Josh and it was the, the two main guys from trust company, but they didn't, it was Josh and Kevin Palmer, but they didn't want to call it trust company for whatever reason. So we called it Amity Lane and I put out a record for them and, but yeah, so I had corporate punishment and then that kind of took its course. And then I started THC and did that for a while and then got into the EMP thing, even the EMP thing. I was still doing THC records during that pro like that 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 
the, the Chuck Mosley records I put out. Oh yeah, you put Chuck yeah, Mosley records out. Oh, I did. I, I, I managed Chuck on and off for the last. Dave No More is like my favorite bands. Yeah, dude. That's too. amazing. Dave No More is like my yeah yeah. So Chuck, yeah. So I kind of managed Chuck and yeah. I put out the the last two. I reintroduced Will Rap over Hard Rock for Food and then uh, I put out reintroduce yourself so i put that on thc oh that's cool yeah wow man that's amazing yeah i never knew that man yeah chuck was a good buddy of mine and and i love chuck and i had some really great experiences you know i got to see him just a a few months before he passed away we went to the uh we took him with us to the to the loudwire awards in la we were a sponsor and uh, yeah we took chuck with and got to have a really good hang and that was that was the last time I saw him. Unfortunately, you know his his lifestyle got the better of him. Yeah. Do you remember when when he were you a part of when he covered a Faith No More song, "Take This Bottle" from King for a Day? Yeah. He, yeah. he covered. Yeah. Yeah. Was that was that were you were we were working on that? That was, was that... kind of shortly. There, there, there was a weird kind of time at the end where it was like I was kind of, you know, you you know, yeah, yes and no. I was still kind of involved, but still sort of like, you know, I, I was involved through when he did. You know, you, you know, you did those Faith No More reunion shows. I, I was yes. at the Palladium. I don't know if you oh. remember. Amazing. Like, I got to go to the show at the Palladium, and it was fucking, it was incredible, man. It was so awesome. Chuck was, I don't think I've ever seen Chuck happier. But yeah, so in the end, you know, he did a couple releases. I, I think one of them came up posthumously that I wasn't involved yeah. with. You know, to be honest, he was kind of, you know, his buddy Doug, who was working with him and played with him and toured with him, was kind of, they were just kind of going down some other roads and doing some other stuff. So I take this bottle. I believe he released independently somehow. Yeah. I randomly really... found that. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was cool. Again, it was, there wasn't a, a whole lot of marketing on those last couple things he did just independently, but again, they wanted to go down a different road and I was totally cool with them. I never want to hold any artist back. You know what I mean? Like they're all my friends, man. I mean, I love Chuck. He was my friend, you know, but he was, he had his lifestyle and the things he did and, you know, I, I I really was one of the people who helped get him sober and, and oh know, wow, hope he would That's stay cool. that way. But yeah, man, I, I you know it's funny. I worked with, I, I managed David Riley from God Lives Underwater for a long time, and he see what happened to them. I oh he passed away, didn't he? The God David Lives Underwater. Passed away too. No, he drowned, didn't he? No, no, actually, no. Here, I'll, I'll tell you the story. Give me a second. <laughs> so David, so God was underwater after, um up off the floor basically david and 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 jeff had personal issues david had a really bad drug 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 issue and uh just speak candidly about it and that finally created a rift that was just un unrepairable between those two guys and and they were basically the two main guys of the band it was jeff and david everybody else was kind of secondary you know what i mean but it was basically jeff and david and they and they were in that band together since they were like 17 years old right yeah and dave had been an addict the entire time so i mean like dave literally when they were making up off the floor dave lived with me in la he slept on my couch or my living room in my apartment in hollywood right so all those songs on up off the floor he wrote around that period and wrote while he was living with me and yeah so they put out that record and then the band sort of dissipated and then you know, a year or two later, Dave was not in great shape, and we started talking, and I, I really helped him. I, same, I, I helped him get clean, and he got clean, and I basically said, look, get clean, and let's do this again. Let's do some shows. 
so I put out he put I put out basically his last real release. It was called Inside, but it's just like a five song EP. But I actually got Jeff to mix it and do programming on two of the songs. So literally, I got Dave and Jeff that God Lives Underwater back together to play on this one EP David did. And we did some shows and we did some stuff and David was getting healthy. And so sadly enough, he was clean when he died. He was clean and he had stayed clean. So he had really bad teeth from the years of doing heroin, basically, you know? And uh, the years broke down his teeth, but he was clean, but he still, so he had a really bad teeth infection, tooth infection that got down into his heart and it, that's what killed him. He died from oh. all the infection in his mouth getting into his heart. And that's, oh, that's, wow. Yeah, so it's horrible. So, I mean, it fucking killed him anyway, even after he was clean and do, doing healthy and doing great. And, you know, and I love his sister Gretchen's a good friend of mine. My daughter, Riley, is named after David. You know what I mean? Like, her name yeah. spelled R-E-I-L-L-Y, you know? So, and she was born the year he died in 2005. So Wow, it's been that long. It has, it has. It's been a long time, but it's still, you know. Hey, I gotta go Chuck, back. Oh yeah, keep going. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just, I mean, Chuck Mosley thing was really like an immediate, you know, and then Chester passing away and all these guys. There's been a lot of death around, man. It's kind of a, I don't want this whole interview to turn into a bummer. So yeah, let's shift away from this. But yeah, the, the Chuck what? Mosley thing instantly brought me right back to that place with David and and, and that going on. And With, with anyway. that be, with that being said, I, w- I want to say this real fast because I don't want to let it go <laughs> while it's fresh in my mind. Um, with Taproot, I was listening to an audible book about Lane Staley, and and they were talking about how he was going to be on Taproot's uh, yeah. more album. Can you talk about yeah, that? I mean, yeah, absolutely, we can talk about that. Um, so basically, the song it's actually on here. It's called Kevin Spacey, but yeah. um, so it was. So it's so funny. So before I was, you know, I'm really good friends with Toby Wright. And he told me this story, right? And then now I've heard it from Steve and them. And when, you know, me and Tapper started kind of working together again, now like I made them retell me the story too. But yeah, so <laughs> Lane was supposed to sing on that song. They had, a, I guess when Lane passed away, you'll have to have Steve or Phil on here. Maybe we'll all come on here one day together and talk about this and they can tell oh, you. Oh, yeah. I, I guess, I guess, but Lane, when, when he passed away, he had like a Walkman on or with him. And the CD in it was that track. So the last thing Lane was listening to in his life was that Taproot song. Literally, the day after he passed away, Steve and Toby were supposed to fly up to Seattle to go meet with him about doing it. And I I guess the last thing he listened to, supposedly before he passed away, was the the Kevin Spacey track for for the Taproot record. That's insane. No. Yeah, that, I mean, just the just the fact that he was going to be on Taproot. I mean, what would you got to wonder what would happen with Taproot if Lane Staley actually did that song, and what would that would I mean, you know? I mean, probably not much more than that happened. That record's already gold, and it did pretty. It probably it probably would have been cool. It probably would have been big. But even then, like Alice in Chains was kind of, you know, in kind of a yeah. down period mm-hmm. too. You know what I mean? It was kind of a. It, it would retroactively be huge now as kids are going back and finding it. So it would. You know, but I mean, again, I think I think at that time grunge was sort of on a trajectory out, and Alice in Chains had kind of died off because Lane wasn't in. You know, they hadn't done anything yet for what six years at that point. You know what I mean? Really, like because Lane had kind of been in seclusion, and and, and at the time, I, I I I recall, I think he had lost all of his teeth. He didn't have any of his teeth anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember. I remember Cold or somebody saw him. He came out to a show in Seattle and I remember seeing pictures and he had no teeth and he was like 
100 pounds and it, it broke my heart because when i saw that i'm like i knew he was going to be gone soon and he was within within a year i know of that but anyway so the cool thing so back to this so besides that that all brings us back around to besides so i found out they were doing they did this and i talked them into so basically what we're doing is in it's up for pre-order now that we, we we're releasing the best of besides we basically picked out me and Phil and Steve basically went there and picked out 19 tracks off of here. Just oh, a single, cool. Just a single disc best of compilation that's coming out on CD and vinyl. And it's basically like two songs for the most part from each era. There's two from the original demos and then there's two from, you know, Welcome Era, two from Give, two from Blue Sky Research. You know, basically two. And then, and then the Kevin Spacey demo is actually yes, on there. It is. That's um, good. I didn't know the that's the name of the song. That, that I'm going to yeah. have to go back and listen to yeah. it. All their tracks have like goofy, and I used to do it too, you know, but I still do. But all, all their songs have these little like goofy working titles. The song wasn't really going to be called Kevin Spacey. That yeah. was kind of like the working title, you know, so that's funny. <laughs> it just kind of stuck because they never did anything with it, um, you know. Uh, sorry, Billy's texting me. <laughs> no, it's all good. But, no, but yeah, no, so, <laughs> that's super cool. So, we're, so what we're doing is we're basically going to take this we're releasing the best of besides first and then uh but we're going to release the rest of it so this is eight discs what we're going to do is basically take it and split it up into like two disc volumes like this the first one will be like the demo original pre-signed era and then gift and then the second one will be the two disc welcome era then the two disc blue sky research era and, and they actually oh, found, that's cool they actually found we actually found another disc or two full of stuff from plead the fifth and because this only really goes through our long road home so they also have stuff from plead the fifth and the episodes and and this new record too you know what i mean um yeah. so yeah so we actually ended up finding another disc or two worth of stuff that's not even on here so yeah so we're gonna do like four two disc volumes of you know like this like a two cd package instead of just the one big box set it's kind of you know just expensive and cost prohibitive and again i i think it's going to be cooler and easier to have it just in like two disc volume. so yeah so we're going to re-release that and kind of two disc volumes over the next year and a half you know when so, when's that going to be available yo you said a year and a half it'll be uh, uh, uh the, the best of the sides is already up for pre-order that's actually coming out in may and, oh, that'll, cool. and that'll actually be deep on on uh, yeah if you go to taprootmerch.com you can pre-order it but that'll actually be this was never put on digital outlets or anything so the best besides and those volumes as they come out will be on the digital outlets as well but we, but you know the, the best besides is, is awesome i mean it's really it's 19 tracks it's a lot of stuff and it's got you know kind of the cream of the crop of all the demos from all this stuff and we really picked you know me and phil and steve really picked some some of the kind of stronger songs from each year so strong so yeah that's going to come out digital and physical problem i think may 5th actually cinco de mayo that's going to come out and uh yeah and then we're putting out the new studio record scissors in september so we didn't want to put out more than that one best of before the studio record so that's why it's kind of so the next the first two does volume one and maybe volume one and two will come out at the same time but that'll probably and we're getting it all remastered Steve always jokes around and goes, well, it's not remastered because it was never mastered in the first place. So we're getting it mastered. Um, so it's going to be totally different than it was on the sides. It sounds different. It sounds bigger. It's mastered. Yeah. There's only so much you can do to it. I mean, a lot of these are like basement cassette demos, you know, but they, they definitely sound better and fuller and bigger. And, you know, it's definitely, uh, but yeah, so um, the first, they're going to come out next year sometime. 
So I, I want to ask you a question with these skate decks, going back to the skate decks real quick. Yeah. When Do you have a, a, a kind of a wish list of, of artists that you want to work with and, and make these decks for? Do you have like a, a list of people that you're like, you know, we really want to get like if you guys had Deftones, I mean, do you imagine it would sell out within minutes? You know what I'm saying? Like, do you have a list of. I mean, of course, I'd love to do Deftones. I'd love to do Corn. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of politics in, in the stuff, you know. I mean, like all the all this newer stuff we've been doing, Fear Factory, Tappert. Yeah, all that's stuff. amazing. All stuff I kind of brought in, you know, that's sort of my role here is, is A&R and marketing, which has always kind of been my thing. And, and that's what I've done. So I brought in. But we also just started doing wheels, you know. So we we, we released a, a helmet wheel today. We released. No uh, way. Yeah. Oh, exactly. that's so cool, I, man. I, we just put it up on the site today. We're, we're in the middle of another oh, huge so cool. deal. That I, another huge deal that I can't talk about that should be done. But dude, I mean, we have like, but you know, there's so many of them that are awesome. I mean, I've been kind of good. We just released Dangerous Toys decks, which I've always loved the artwork from those records. So that was really a yeah. fun to do. Um, we did the Metal Blade collaboration, which was awesome for their 40th anniversary. That was another thing I kind of put together. But yeah, I mean, like, I'd love to, you know, obviously, you know, I mean, dude, I would love to do Faith and More. All the big bands, you know, I'd love to do, but there's, it, it's a licensing thing and there's certain things. Mm -hmm. And so we're kind of making our way through all those channels. And again, I mean, I would you love to do a lot of them, you know, I mean, Faith and More, Corn, Motley Crue, you know what I mean? It's a, you know, and some yeah. of it we're already working on, some of it we're already kind of in the works. But at the same time, I'm kind of trying to push us into the more, I love doing the licensed stuff, I love doing the band decks. But I'm working on kind of pushing us more into the traditional skate world too. I mean, the, the, I love doing the license stuff, but now we're kind of, you know, and we also do, do we, we have a descendants board coming out. We do subhumans. Oh, we do a lot of more punk rock stuff too, and GVH and the Chrome Mags. And that stuff sells like crazy too. And it's, it's so cool, but there's just such a delineation between, I mean, we just do whatever we like. Me and John are both on the same page. Like, what, what, when I go to him, I go, dude, I want to do a trickster deck. He doesn't laugh at me. He goes, dude, that's awesome. Let's do it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's funny. Kind of the same kind of obscure taste in music, you know what I mean? And he kind of gives me free reign to do what I want, which is awesome. But so we, we're releasing this artist series with my friend. We're starting with my friend Tanner Goldbeck, who is a Powell artist for like, he designed decks for Powell for like 20 years and he does like helmets for Icon Motorsports. He's like a huge, huge street graffiti artist and kind of a working artist in LA. And, you know, so we're, we're kind of, but yeah, we're kind of branching out into trucks and, and wheels and grip tape and, you know, different stuff and, and, and getting, you know, some of that is still the licensed stuff. We released, yeah, a helmet grip tape and a helmet wheel today. We released a scatterbrain wheel the other day, which is really cool too. It's got the, obviously the Robert Williams artwork from Here Comes Trouble on it. Um, but yeah, I've been trying to push us more into the traditional skate sector too and and doing non-licensed stuff just kind of creating our own you know chris haslam who's a huge huge skater did some artwork for us and we're actually going to reissue that as part of the artist series so we're kind of trying to push you know great content from the licensed decks but then at the same time we're also trying to push you know we're making a big push into the traditional retail skate sector too you know so well oh the other thing I was going to say before that's awesome, and I we totally got sidetracked. So our boards are all seventy dollars. You know, they're all pro models. Check your head, everybody. They're all kind of God. I can't stop staring at that Faith in the More mm. deck and that Arise deck. Who the Check your head. Right? Check your head. That's what, yeah. I'll send you a link. Yeah, I'm, yeah I I'm. I'm familiar with Check Your Head. I just don't really, you know, I'm familiar with them, and I know they do that stuff. And 
I didn't even think they're really doing it. And I know they do real limited edition runs. Like they that's the that's the issue. They give yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. It. we don't, and that's it. We always talk about that they get to do like fifty of them, and they sell out. And I I guess they have problems with their orders and some of their decks. The quality isn't that great, and different different mm-hmm. things. But yeah, I'm just like it, so. But yeah, we're kind of we've kind of come in and, and filled that space and, and, and really kind of do things differently. And we're not doing limit. I mean, we're getting, you know, we're just doing them sort of on a continuing basis. Like, Oh, we're doing 50 of them, a hundred of them. And then they're gone and you can't get them anymore. And which it's awesome to do that. And I love that. And it's fun. And there's some exclusivity to it then, but I mean, it's not really a sustainable model for a business, you know? I know, man. Hey, um, um, so Tom, listen, we're gonna have to do a part two because I'm getting the 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 word. I gotta end this shortly, but uh, oh, I see what, how it is. Yeah, you know what? At the, honestly, I gotta. Up, up, <laughs> I'm using Zoom, so I gotta upload my. I gotta upgrade my Zoom. I'm I'm doing the the cheap route right now. Oh, but uh, I see, I see, I see. Is that is that? Can you can you restart? Can you like turn it off and just do a new call? Yeah, we could probably do that, man. I mean, dude, I'm I'm going. I'm good. I'm I got nothing to do. I just gotta call the tapper. So if you want, unless you got something else to do, you you can we can do it another time. But if you want, yeah, dude, just let's just hang up and let's just start. In, what do you get? Do you get like eight? Oh, you got seven minutes. What do you get? You like thirty. I get yeah, forty five minutes. But you know what? After tonight, I'm gonna upgrade though. So, but yeah, you yeah. want to do that, man? I'll I'll end it and I'll send uh and we'll yeah, just you, paste you it together. Just finish up. You want to just. Yeah, you can. Yeah, we can do that because then you'd have to edit all this shit out too. So yeah, let's do that. Just end it. Send me another one. We'll jump back on. Okay, I'll I'll hit you up in one sec. Okay, cool. All right, see you, brother. Bye, buddy. The turf war, like the warriors. You know, we always we're kind of going after the same projects and the same stuff. And you know, I I basically I started the flip records three team, so I worked the first cold record, the second record. You know, I. I, did, I, I did, love those albums, man. I did too. And I did the first two Limp Biscuit records. I did the first oh, two Stains. Wow. So yeah, I basically started, I moved to LA to start the Flip Record Street Team. Um, yes, that's so cool. So, it's funny. So, me and, so I did like, you know, it kind of started out, I did some stuff for, you know, some limited stuff for Roadrunner. I interned out Immortal, who kind of were doing a, a Street Team thing, and I'd been kind of doing it. And then I, went to Immortal and worked with them and did some stuff with them. And I'd already done some stuff for Jive. And then, you know, I met Fred Durst when Limp Bizkit first, you know, their first tour with Corn, right? And uh, mm-hmm. Corn and Delinquent Habits. That's when I met. Oh, Delinquent Habits, yeah. I went, went, went and hung out with Fred and I kind of became friends with the guys and told him what I did. And he's like, dude, let's do a street team. I want to do it. So we had a conference call, me, Fred, and Jordan Scherr. And... Fred said, hey, Jordan, this is Tom Hazart. We're going to start a street team, and he's going to run it. And Jordan said, no, we're not. And Fred said, yeah, we are. And Jordan said, (laughs) no, we're not. And Fred said, yeah. And no, he didn't actually say that. But Fred got (laughs) away, and we started a street team. So I put it together, and we had like 50, 100,000 people on it. It was fucking huge. And then, uh, yeah, with that, we did the the first two Wind Biscuit records, the first two Stained records. Technically, by significant other, I think those guys. So basically, Flip got so big with Limbiscuit that they basically gave him Geffen. Like he did, they let him. They gave him Geffen to run. Um, so, I, so after that, I ended up doing a lot of stuff for Geffen. We did like the Rob Zombie records and Bloodhound Gang and Puddle of Mud and Nine Inch Nails, and we, we started getting all these projects from Geffen and Interscope. So we started working all those records for them, which was fucking. And I and I actually managed. 
you know, through that same circle, I managed Depswa and got them signed to Geffen. So that was how they got signed to Geffen was my oh, relationship wow. with Jordan Schur and Jen uh -huh. Littleton, and Mike Wagalum and everybody who ran Flip, you know what I mean? So, so yeah, but so yeah, so I worked with Stained and Cold and, but I also worked with, <clears throat> you know, Static X and, you know, we worked you, on a lot of records, Crazy Town, Static were, X. Were you working with, um? you You were on the Angel Sun video, were you, were you working with I Snot was, back then? Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, I did the Snot Street team with Snot's website when that first record was out. Absolutely no. We did the I ran the Snot Street team. We ran. That's Snot amazing. Website. I had those guys here, man. That was that's cool. Yeah, yeah no, I love yeah, those guys. I had John and um uh man, my my mind's gone blank. Mikey. Yeah. 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 That's yeah, amazing, I, dude. I actually was talking to those guys a couple weeks ago about doing snot decks and they were all stoked. Oh wow. Of, yeah. They kind of go through me. I think I think they're just busy. So right, eventually I will bug them and get it done. Oh, like I'm, I, I'm gonna bug them too <laughs> for yeah, you. Do it, like, do it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know those guys. That's yeah, awesome. I, I have Lynn and Dobbs tattooed on my leg, like Lynn was serious? my friend. What was yeah. it like recording that video or being on the on, on for Angel Sun on the beach? You know, it was, you, you were saddest, there. It, was, it was the saddest fucking day of my life, man. I, it was, I mean, it was, a, it, it was a really amazing experience. I mean, I was in the studio with them when that whole record was being made. When wow, when 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 straight up was being made, I was kind of such an of underrated album too. I know it's sad, but I mean that is an amazing, amazing. how yeah. that came together. You know, you know the funniest thing I remember is they were recording at Grandmaster Studios in Hollywood, right? And Shannon Larkin came in to do his drums. He was there. He was starting his drums. I went, walked around the corner, went to Popeye's to get food, came back, and he was done with his drums for the entire record. One take. Like, one, like literally the whole record, less than two hours, he recorded all of the drums for that record, and he was done. Like, I went and ate lunch, walked around, fucked around on Hollywood Boulevard for a minute, came back, and he was done. Like, it was. That's it's insane. Yeah. It was fucking insane. It was like the crew. He's an amazing yeah, drummer. I was with them at the record plant. They were working on it. And, you know, I, again, I remember kind of them recording some of Angel Sun and some of that stuff. And, and yeah, I remember being around when Shannon was tracking stuff at Grandmaster. And, but yeah, like it was, it was a, it's a great record. And I, you know, I, that was when I was still kind of doing a lot of stuff with the mortal and, you know, yeah, I was kind of involved in that, but I, I, yeah, had, I, I interviewed Corey Taylor real fast and, and he, I was talking to him about it and he said that he wasn't even really, I, if I remember correctly, he didn't even tour with Snot, but, but they asked him to be on it. No. I mean, yeah. but he he knew like how special you know, it was. You know, Slipknot was kind of coming, came kind of in as Snot was already, you know, it was weird. Like they kind of were getting big as when Lynn already passed, you know what I mean? Like they weren't mm -hmm. really, you know, they didn't really, Slipknot came a little bit later than Snot. Snot was already kind of like big doing their thing. And then, you know, I. How, I, how close are you were to Lynn? Uh, I mean, do you have any pretty, stories? I mean, pretty close, man. I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we hung out and, you know, I'd always go when they, whenever they played close and I'd go, I loved Lynn, man. He was a, he was a great dude. His, you know, he was, he was a really, he was a fun dude, man. He was a really, I mean, he was literally like the coolest guy I've ever met in my life. Because everybody loved Lynn. Every girl that met him wanted to fuck him. Like, <laughs> he had that charisma, man. Like you were just around. I, I, I mean, look, I, I probably wanted to fuck him. Like every, I just, he just had that <laughs> charisma that sucked you in and just made you, fall in love with him you know he was that guy you know you just gotta wonder like what that, i know man this episode's been a lot about death but i just wonder like what where would they be you know a few albums down the road i know, I know man i mean it's, you know it's funny they probably would have kind of died 
and then and now they'd be huge again, like everybody else is yes. from that era. You know what I mean? Like they probably yeah. have done a couple of records and sort of, you know, faded out a little bit and then got back together and like blown up and they'd be like huge again now, you know? And it would be, <laughs> but I tell you, when Lynn died, I was fucking crushed. I was crushed. I, you know, you know when people ask me how long my hair is, I know how long I've been growing my hair. I shaved my head the day Lynn died and I haven't cut it since. Oh, when wow. Lynn died, I freaked out and shaved my head. And literally, so my hair is that old. <laughs> Jeez, man. It's but crazy yeah, how young young all those guys were, you know, how well, long Lynn, ago Lynn was. Lynn was an accident, though. Lynn, at least, you know, yeah. it wasn't drug or suicide. Like, Lynn, so basically, and it's funny and sad, because I told my, my daughter is learning how to drive and, uh, like, I was kind of telling her how dangerous it is, but so basically it was, it was in Santa Barbara on, I think it was on highway one, but it was one of these things where you have to like cross four lanes of traffic to turn onto the highway. And yeah. he was on across like the lanes and somebody fucking just hit him. Like he, he tried going too fast, you know, or didn't see it. And I, and he was trying to cross like four lanes of traffic to like a crossing to go back the other way on the freeway. And he and he got hit. So it was like and, and Sonny's mentioned several times how bad of a driver he was. <laughs> like he said, yeah, I mean, driving with him was crazy. I never experienced his driving. Um, it was it was terrible. Um, but yeah, no, I didn't. You know, but <laughs> I've heard I've heard these things. But yeah, so yeah, Lynn was Lynn was fucking awesome. And and, and that that video shoot it was literally like the most depressing day of my life. Like just hearing, like I still like I still like have an instant response. Like I still tear up when I hear that song in any any instance man anywhere i go they play it anywhere it comes up it's like automatic like fucking waterworks it's crazy but oh man yeah yeah same standing around that day with everybody hearing that song bumpy I, I remember standing there watching them filming that scene on the beach with his mom and his sister and just like fucking breaking down man i was who was, played was, who played him in the video it was a guy that was in a band right Sarah from shovel shovel yes yeah so basically he was walking around like obviously his face wasn't bored out in real life but he was walking around like kind of touch yeah there's a, a singer from shovel that's what was, was that was that a party like you know it's kind of a sad celebration but were you guys i mean that's you're around like mark mcgrath i mean you're you're around some like pretty big yeah, people at the time awesome. those guys were all my friends at the time man like incubus was there like yes you know it's funny i remember i ended up Listen. riding back home Riding back home from Malibu with David Draymond in the back seat. I remember that. I don't. Oh, cool. I, I, I wrote, there was a dude named Ray Nishimoto, and he brought us, me and David, back. But yeah, David Draymond was in the back seat of the car with us when I went back to Hollywood. I remember that too. <laughs> I think like like that's amazing that that happened. And you know what's cool? Like if if I have to go, I want my I want that to happen. I, if I go, I want to have all my friends get together and just party like that i mean that that's so that's awesome man look we tried to make it a celebration and as happy as it was and i mean parts of it were like genuine like us like kind of going up and greeting everybody and i remember hey dog shut up (laughs) (laughs) his mom was there too right i mean she was in the video yeah like that scene in the beginning where they're all putting the logs on the fire that's mom and and that's i said watching that and hearing that that song blare over the fucking speakers like this. Oh God, dude! Did you get choked up? I mean, just while you're there. I mean, I, I mean, I've never, I've never been sadder in my life than I was at that video shoot ever, 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 ever. It was. I just got chills, man. I got to go back and watch it after this interview again. And, and, and the worst fucking thing is, so you're watching the video and you watch me 
my hair is really short and stupid because again, when Lynn died, I out, like, short and stupid. So my hair is like short and stupid, and I'm I'm, I'm, I'm like just so kind of depressed and into it, and just kind of like, and I look, and I'm in every other shot because I'm standing right next to Morgan fucking drum set. So I'm in, and I'm wearing this bright ass <laughs> Adidas North Carolina jersey, and it's like it says bright fucking blue, I think. So I stick out and like every other, and I just look terrible and. Orange was I, I, huge back then. Everybody wore Rob from Machine Head wore orange. It wasn't, it wasn't orange though. It was it was blue. I had two. Oh, blue. Had a, oh yeah, it's blue. Yeah, you're right. I, all the football jerseys. It was it was the 2000s. So all the yeah. teams that Adidas made the jerseys. Like I had a Texas Longhorns one that was bright orange, and uh-huh. then North Carolina. Those were the two teams that Adidas made their jerseys. So I had them both. And yeah, I, I thought it was a long, but now it's the bright blue like. I believe the North Carolina Tar Heels football jersey. Again, because it was Adidas. It was the 2000s, you know what I mean? Yeah, right, right. And uh, yeah, so I'm wearing this bright, and it wasn't my intention to wear this bright ass shirt and stick out in the video like the, like fucking <laughs> Violet Beauregard and Willy Wonka, but I did. So. Hey, at but least yeah, we can I, know she, though. That's good. Yeah, I do know. Dude. I'm, in, I'm in the Limp Biscuit counterfeit video. You are? Okay. I didn't know that. I'm in the stained mud shovel video. I've I've had my I've been in my share of you know new metal, new metal that's, rock. And that's roll awesome. Video. You know I I had Jacoby on the show and he he pointed out to me that he's in the board video and I, I never knew that and we rewatched it. Yeah, so they're but walking. I remember, I remember when I when I first so Deftones before Adrenaline came like my I had such oh right you're there before I, oh sweet so yeah like Blind Dreads that's one of my favorite yeah, bands too by the way. So so when the the first before adrenaline came out, they did a tour with Ozzy and Corn. I know it sounds like the weirdest tour in the world, and it was. So I went and saw that, and I did an interview with Deftones, and I did oh. an interview with Corn. I did an interview with Corn for Circus, and it was like Corn's first like big interview in a big magazine at the time, right? So I went and did an interview with them for Circus, and I interviewed Deftones and hung out. And at that time, adrenaline had already or i'm sorry mso had already sent me adrenaline so i already had the record i already loved it i was in love with the band and i so I, I i went and hung i ended up hanging out with those guys all night and becoming really you know and, and stefan ended up being a good friend of mine for years and she oh, and, cool but but yeah so i remember sitting with the deftones guys in the seats next to the stage in this big arena in madison watching corn and ozzy and it, it was so rabid i loved those that's guys. amazing I love Chi and Steph. You know, Steph was a good friend for a while. I don't know if you and Rob Arnold talked about this. I'm sure you asked him how Steph and well, yeah, up. Rizzo. Yeah, he's on the song. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I know Camira likes to rewrite history and leave me out of that shit. But the reason Stefan was on that record was because Stefan was my friend. I went to his house and said, "Dude, check out this band. I'm working with Camira." And I got. I'm like, "Dude, would you be?" And he loved it, and he agreed to be on the record. So, oh wow. Ours and yeah, I, you know. I oh wow, guys. that's your connection. You know, we uh, Rob and I did talk about you, but we didn't bring that. Didn't come up though. That's amazing. Yeah, I love I love those guys. And again, it's just one of those things where it's like you know you're the early manager of the band, and then you know there's always with bands there's always just grass is greener mentality and, and whatever. When you're the first manager, you always kind of get fucked over, and you know, and they hated. So look, I I'm the one who select picked Mud Rock to do Pass Out of Existence. And you know they never liked that record. They thought it was too new metal. So Mark I love that to, album. I do too. Definitely. And so does everybody else. And Mark tries to distance himself from it. And so that kind of 
led to them sort of writing off some of my contribution because they were pissed that I hired Mudrock to do their record. And it was just like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Okay. I mean, it was, yeah, I don't, I don't really talk about this shit. Now it's like 30 years in the past. So, and, and I'm getting older and I've so time, so I didn't give a fuck. I'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. But you, you, but yeah. You, yeah, keep going. I got so many questions for you, man. It's nuts. How do you like so many people, like me included, are, are like, you have the coolest job for decades, you know, like, how do you, how are you always in the right place with the right people? You know how many people are jealous of you? Like, just like, oh, I was just hanging out with the Deptones. Oh, I'm just hanging out with Olympus. That's amazing, dude. Like, you you were living my dream. Like, I, I, I was I, I, amazing. Really been blessed to have been involved. And I, I mean, I, I've really been blessed to just, it's always just being in the right place at the right time. And you know, look, you just kind of, I've always found the right bands and just been into the right things and my taste led me to the right things. And part of it's been luck and part of it's just been hustle, man. You know, I've been hustling since I was 15 fucking years old. You know, I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know if you know this, but I mean, as far as like the mainstream industry goes, I discovered Papa Roach. I, so I did A&R, I did A&R for Jive and uh, I tried signing them to Jive like years before they were signed to DreamWorks, right? So I brought them to my boss, Michael Tedesco at Jive. And I said, this man, Papa Roach, and this was when they just had, like, you know, the demo with barbed wire and stuff, you know, and, and before that, they didn't have any of the, you know, at last resort or any of that stuff yet. That kind of came when they were demoing before the DreamWorks deal. But um, so, yeah, I brought like five tracks deep and, and barbed wire and that stuff. And I brought it to Jive and I said, Michael, this band, this is the one, man. And he was like, so you think out of all these bands, this band is the band that's going to be bigger than all of them. And I said, yes, absolutely. Jive passed on it. So, and at the time, that was kind of what I did was shop bands. So, you know, their manager, Brett Baer and, and Gary Avila were good friends of mine. So I kind of took it and started taking it to all my other label friends. And I set up the showcase at the Troubadour and invited DreamWorks down. I invited all these guys down. I set up the showcase at the Troubadour that Papa Roach got signed off of. I brought them to Jive first. Jive passed, so then I said, fuck it, and I helped them shop it, and then, yeah, I helped them get their deal with DreamWorks and set up the showcase that they got signed off of. What was it about Papa Roach that, that you that you saw that they didn't see? Like, you know, was there a certain song or style? It was, they were doing this, like, kind of Iron maiden twin lead thing with the bass thing. They were just on to something, and their original demos and, like, the Old friends from young years and stuff. That's when I first met Papa Roach. Because like old friends from yes, young years. yeah. Like, I talked to Jacoby about that. that. It was that's cool. So but then when they did that five tracks deep shit and did like barbed wire, that's when I was really like, this band is onto something special, you know. And it was again, they were kind of doing this like, they're maidenly, yeah, you know, the kind of twin dual lead thing with the bass. I and thought Bob Wire's on the second album. Is that on the first album? I, I'm totally no, wrong. no, it ended. It didn't even end up on the first record. They demoed that song long before the first record, but okay. it didn't end up on the first record. And and I was bummed because I thought that was like that should have been one of their biggest songs. I really did. They release thought, that song? Is that out? Yeah, yeah, it was on. It's on the second record. Yeah, okay. I'm not losing my mind. I'm like. It ended up on Love Hate Tragedy. It ended up on the second record. It, I never knew that. That that's crazy. Record. Yeah, but I, that was the song that made me fall in love with that band and made me go, okay, this band is doing something totally different. And again, they have this almost like pop punk aesthetic to it, but then this like kind of Iron maiden aesthetic that was bringing yes. something totally new into that, you know, new metal world, for lack of a better. We didn't call it that then, obviously, you know. And it's funny, new metal 
was created originally as a derogatory term by people like me and people in the business to make fun of. So basically there was that period, mm. and, and, like, and I love some of these bands, but there was this period where after Limp Bizkit got big and the first wave of all these bands kind of blew up, the major labels all clamored to go find their, it was just like with glam metal, you know what I mean? They went yes. and found the Ticatos and, you know, some of the, there's always this like period where the major labels all go out and try and find one of their bands. So you end up with like 20 Deftones, Limp Bizkit clones, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And new metal, we made up that term to make fun of this band. Oh yeah, they're new metal with a U, you know? And it's so funny that, you know, now it's like this, like badge of honor and it's like just become a legitimate genre you know but originally new metal was kind of an insult that people you know in the business that were kind of really into this world you know used to make fun of all those third rate the fourth wave bands that the major labels signed to try and cash in on the on the limb biscuit deftones corn trend you know that were just yeah. kind of clones but, but can i ask you something like i really want your opinion on this uh judgment night could be the best soundtrack ever right definitely top five i mean look my top five that's before new metal you know that's before that name even existed yeah and i mean judgment night and the spawn soundtrack was actually a really i like spawn yeah but you know what and and happy walters the guy who owned immortal did all the soundtracks he did judgment night like happy walters i will give him this so you know when, when i started doing this when i started managing bands which was basically all i could do because you know when you're just some dumb kid from the midwest like you can't just go in and get a job at a label or doing something. So, but nobody can stop you from being a manager. So I just went and discovered some bands that were really young and fresh. And Michael Desco from Jive was awesome and believed in me really early. And Monty Connor from Roadrunner was a good friend and really guided me. And Bob Chaparty and a couple guys cool. in the business. Yeah, but yeah, Michael Tedesco really early on believed in what I did and you know hired me to do the street team stuff. But he also hired me to be an AR scout and paid me for 10 years. <clears throat> to be an AR scout for Jive, man. So, and I brought them, but you know, the stuff I brought, I brought them non point. I brought them an early wow. Link Park. I brought them, um, you know, I brought them. That's so cool, man. This is all in my road. world. I brought, <laughs> yeah. I brought them Chimera. I brought them all of this shit. Everything I brought to every, that I got signed, every depth, every band I got signed somewhere else, I brought to Jive first and they passed on it. And then I went and shopped it elsewhere, you know? So, but Michael was great and, and really believed in me and, and was awesome. And, and I got to do some A&R on the, on Broke, on the second head PE record, which was fucking rad. Oh, and, love. That's one of my favorite albums, man. So good. That was, awesome. that was kind of the era when I was really doing the most of my stuff with, with Jive. It was kind of like, you know, in that Broke. But How I do was, you, I was, you, you I have was, like an ear for the best music, like, like my favorite bands that people are passing on. Like, it's like you can hear something they can't hear or something. I don't know, man. It's wild. Like they should be trusting you. <laughs> like they shouldn't be passing once you bring it they to them. They got to the point where they kind of did, but you know, it's so funny. Right when they got to the point where it was undeniable and all the labels were trying to hire me and everything, the bottom fell out of the music business and everything changed and moved away from this style of music. You know what I mean? And yeah, that's yeah. when I started Corporate Punishment. That's when I started my own label. And again, when you said before, what would happen with Snot if Wind went to pass away? Again, they're like five years later, all of that stuff kind of sort of mm-hmm. just took it. And that's why I started my label to kind of, and I kept doing some of that kind of stuff. I mean, again, I put out the Ghost Machine record, which is Ivan Moody. So basically, after he left Motor Grader, he started Ghost Machine. I put that record out, and the literally the day it came out, he quit and joined Five Finger Death Punch. You know what I mean? So even even everything uh-huh. that become the biggest shit, I was involved with in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. I actually 
So there was this festival called Delicious Rocks. It was, it was this like festival in the middle of nowhere in Sedalia, Missouri. It was Five Finger Death Punch's first show. And it was Motor Grader played too. So literally the only time Motor Grader, it was Motor Grader's last show with Ivan. They did like a reunion show and Five Finger Death Punch did their first show. Fear Factory played. I don't remember who else, but we were a sponsor of it. So I flew out for it, right? And I had a bunch of bands on it. So this poor guy, and I can relate to this so hard, man, because I've been in this position, but the poor guy, like the show tanked, like a hundred people showed up and it was a great show. And like literally this huge festival, amazing production, a hundred people showed up. The guy, the promoter basically faked a heart attack to get taken out of there at the end of the night. So he didn't have to deal with it. And uh, oh. so Ivan, Ivan got left there. So I took him back with me to St. Louis at, to catch the flights. We went back and hung out and went to the strip club and, and chilled. Oh, cool. On the way back, he played me the five from your death punch demos. And they didn't have the really bleeding. like bleeding. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, they didn't have the bleeding, but they had way. It was basically the first like four songs of it. They had Way of the Fist. They had some really, mm -hmm. it was basically the exact same versions that ended up on the first record. They didn't have the bleeding yet, but. The only song I really remember was Way of the Fist, which I remember hearing that and going, fuck, this is awesome. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he asked me to put it out and on that ride. He's like, dude, would you want to maybe do something with this and, and put out this an EP or put the record out? And I, I literally told him, I said, dude, I'm done with the label shit. I'm winding it down. I said, but this is incredible. You'll, you'll find a major label. You'll get signed. And you guys, you guys will be the biggest fucking band in the world. Mark my words. And six months later, they got signed. And three years later, they were the biggest fucking band in the world. You know, and you I mean? saw it, man. You could tell. I, I did. And it was. I mean, I just hearing that, hearing that fucking, just the way they, and I felt the same way about Kamira, man. Like, no, you know, Roadrunner didn't like Kamira. Monty hated Kamira. It took two years. Wow. Basically, how Kamira got signed is. So I said, I knew Chris Pacuza. He was like, I met him when he was like 13 fucking years old on AOL, right? And we kind of were friends. And then one day he just goes, hey, dude, I'm in I'm in this band. And he started doing keyboards and programming. And then one day he goes, dude, I'm in this band, Chimera. Can we send you a demo? And he sent me the Present Darkness EP. And I'm like, dude, this is awesome. So I started managing them. And then I, I sent that to Roadrunner. There wasn't really any interest. And then we did the new demos. They did the demos that was like dead inside and I think severed. And then, uh, yeah, and then we did the farm club thing. And then we did. Oh, farm club's a big thing. That was huge, yeah. man. Matt farm Penfield. Awesome. Matt Penfield. I love Matt. Friends Matt. Of, me too, man. Yeah. Matt, you know, it's so funny. So literally Matt offered me a job. And there was a time when Matt was doing A&R at Atlantic Records in, or Electra, one of the two in New York. And literally I was getting on a plane to go to New York to meet with him. And literally that's when Matt like freaked out, went into rehab. I guess he had like a drug thing going on. And so the whole thing disappeared. So I, I literally, I was going out there to, he wanted to hire me to do A&R for him. He was running A&R at, oh God, it, it might even have been Columbia. I can't even remember. It was so fucked. But Matt's a delightful guy. And after that, he went and got clean and kind of, he, he, I think he kind of never really went back to doing that A&R type of thing, but it was, but yeah, so Matt's delightful. And I, I love the guy and he's always been super cool to me. But I remember he did, he did an interview with, how we really met, he did an interview with Switch for Playboy. Or he was doing an article for Playboy about the best new new metal bands. Not NU, but NEW. And yeah. uh, he, he put something in there about Switch for me. And he really... Oh, Switch, yeah. yeah. And he, he was, but he was always so great to me. But but yeah, so we did the Farm Club thing. And then, so so it was basically a two-year process of me going getting all my... So I got Jack Osborne into Kamira. I got... Oh, Dino Pizarro oh. is into Kamira, who'd been a friend of mine for years. I got Stefan into Kamira. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Why was Monty not like it? Why, what, what was wrong with Monty uh, with Gamera? Was it because of the, the year? Was it, you know, I mean, the, I the style I, of music? I, honestly, I don't know. And then Kevin Estrada, I brought it to Kevin Estrada, who is the West Coast AR guy, and he fucking loved it. And he started bugging Monty. So it was basically this process. And I, I was telling Monty, this is a classic Roadrunner band. This is like, this is like Sepultura. This is everything Roadrunner. And you got to keep in mind, this was before Kill Switch Engage. This was before Metalcore. This was before any of this. And that was kind of what I was putting Yes, in. that's a great point. Behind, ahead of its time. The melodic vocals with this heavy thing, and it will be the biggest fucking thing in the world. And I kind of pushed them towards that. And I think that's the other thing Mark kind of resented, because that's why people called the record New Metal, because he sang and screamed. But they were creating the template for the whole fucking world by doing that. Yes. You know what I mean? Like own that shit. You know, like you guys, that band literally helped create the template for fucking everything. Wham! Some people called you new metal. So fucking what? You know yeah. what I mean? Like literally, they that helped create the blueprint for everything. And hindsight, you have such a great point, and and I hope they realize that. And in hindsight, you know they're so worried about new metal, but that that I don't think new metal. Blame me that. for all of that shit. I'll tell you this right now. Mark Hunter blames me for all of that for their association with new metal because I got Mud Rock to produce the record because I encouraged him to sing and, and and do that sort of thing. And you know, like I think if Mark had his way, it'd all been like severed. You know what I mean? Which mm -hmm. was cool. But what made Kamir what it was was the juxtaposition of severed and dead inside and then down again. And obviously Ben Shiggle was so instrumental in that down again thing and Ben the singer from Switch, you know, yeah. so all of that stuff and and yeah. So I mean but yeah, I, I think that really Kamira did. I think they created the blueprint for all of that shit. You know what I mean? Like you know, it really wasn't a thing then. There wasn't bands who were combining really heavy, extreme borderline death metal with melody it just wasn't a fucking thing in 1999 it know? wasn't you're right man they're ahead of the time I, I never thought of it that way um when i'm I, I went back on your channel and i'm I'm listening to you sing i'm like holy crap you can sing really good with, with how did you hook up with with uh dave elson and, and sleeping giants and that album and run dm you know dmc and i'm like it's amazing dude and then we did this whole record which is all covers mm. and it's fucking awesome. I mean, yes. This is like Dave Lombardo on it and Dirk and Al Jorgensen from Ministry, Mark Slaughter. <sighs> you know, yeah, me and Al do, do a duet on it. Uh, we do a cover of Bob Beater's Zane by Cheap Trick, which is fucking awesome. I love Ministry, dude. That's amazing. Yeah. The video is so cool to find it on. It's been, and basically, it basically, my so we went to Al's studio in LA to go shoot this video. And my idea was like, could we set up two microphones? And have me and Al like kind of facing each other and just kind of dueling, yeah. like screaming. And he went for it, and that's what he did. And it looks so fucking cool, man. Melody Myers and, and another friend of Al's shot it, and Melody edited it, and it turned out. It turned out, and Charlie Benante plays drums on it. You know, it's so. It turned out so fucking cool, and it was Al was such a cool dude too, man. So, so me and David hooked up. We met. I did the. Uh, I did a documentary about the shocker. I was going to get into my top five soundtracks and he asked about Judgment Night, but I didn't get a chance to, but maybe we'll get back to I'm that. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's all good. So, but I did, a, 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 I directed a 30 minute, I, I, for a period I did, I directed and produced special features for Scream Factory, for Shout Factory. And I did a 30 minute mini documentary about the shocker soundtrack that was on the shocker Blu-ray oh, yeah. that came out. That came out in like 2016, 2017. I don't know. 
Um, like yeah, maybe it was 2015. But either way, so I directed this thing about the Shocker soundtrack. It was like I interviewed David. I interviewed uh, Kane Roberts. I interviewed Bruce Kulick. I interviewed Jason McMaster from Dangerous Toys. I interviewed um, a bunch of people. I know it was real. It was really cool. And uh, so that's on the special. So that was kind of how I I'd known David. We'd kind of met at Nam before and stuff. But and when he worked at PB, he was the A&R guy for some of my bands actually. So we kind of reconnected through that and he had this idea to do a label thing and do some things. And it really, there was synergy with what I did. So we connected, we did that. We started EMP. We, I kind of had the idea to relaunch combat and we did that and, you know, and, and yeah. And then we eventually just started the band. It was just like, kind of, he was out touring, doing this like bass story thing, which was basically just him. Like literally he was just playing bass to like a fucking MP3 on his computer. And it was just kind of dumb. You know, so I said, dude, let's build a real band. So we start bringing out a real band, just doing instrumental stuff. And one night I'm like, dude, why don't I just come up and sing a couple of the fucking songs? So I went up one night and did Peace Cells. And then I was like, okay, tomorrow we're going to do Peace Cells and this and this and this. And, you know, and so we toured the world for like two, three years doing that. I mean, mostly playing Megadeth fucking covers, which is fine and which is awesome. And I never wanted to do that, you know. So I kept pushing to get away from that. And then we wrote. You know, so we wrote this book called My Wife with Death, and uh, through that, oh, it's good. It's I had the idea, I, I, I'm like, why don't we go in and record a couple songs to release as like a soundtrack to the book? And that's where Sleeping Giants with DMC came about, and the and and, uh, and Vultures. And as for DMC, I was friends with him, and I I hit him up and I said, hey, dude, would you want to do a song? And DMC is way into metal stuff. So I hit him up. I said, hey, me and David are doing the song. Do you want to do a song together? And I sent him the track and he loved it. And then me and him were texting back and forth, writing the verses. And it just came out real cool. And then we were in New York. He came and played with us, got up and did. We did Tricky Live. And then we did did that song together, did Sleeping Giants together. And I, we shot the video that day at Club Revolution on, on Amity, Long Island. So yeah, so that was how that. And again, I'm a huge rap guy. I mean, again, I was always into rap man that was kind of my thing with rap faith no more and like hard rock and metal so and again i loved i'm the man like i am I'm the man yeah and all of this stuff came out of you know what i mean and everybody else sort of liking that same thing faith no more and then prong i mean look that's yeah you talk to corn like a, a couple of years ago i was hanging out with head from corn we were just in a hotel and board and I was like, dude, what influence corn? He's like, dude, prong, faith no more. It's like, it's all the same bands, man. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the influence came from kind of the same things. They kind of intersected at this thing where there's guys like me and these bands, and we were all pushing the same sort of thing, and we all kind of came out of the same sort of things. Sepultura, faith no more, prong. You know, those things all merged together to create corn and deftones, you know what I mean? But then there's also like hints like Depeche Mode and Alice in Chains and things like that that sort of seeped into it too, you know, especially in the case like Deftones, you know, I, I don't think without Depeche Mode, there would be any Deftones, you know, I don't think I there agree. would be. Yeah, I agree, man. Tom, man, I could talk to you forever and and I'm I'm definitely going to upgrade my Zoom because I keep running out of time, but I could talk to you forever, man. And uh, I definitely want a part two, if that's yeah. cool with you, man. Um, Absolutely. I'd love to but keep in contact. I mean, we you still got five minutes. It says we still got five minutes. So oh, let's, well, well, yeah, man. Let's, let's go all out, man. And dude, <laughs> is there anything else? I mean, look, and, and dude, we we should actually, when we're done, we should just jump on here and just shoot the shit and just, yeah, you know, it'd be fun to like. I mean, like, yeah, I'd man. love to talk off the record and to kind of tell you all this other shit that I can't tell you on the record. Oh, right oh, now. I got so much I want to tell you off the record too, man. I mean, maybe we, we'll we, do that. Like seriously, maybe I'll I'll yeah. set up. Maybe when we're done. I'll set up a streamyard link quick and I'll send that to you. We can jump on there and we can just shoot the shit and plan a part two and and i can kind of yes. tell you 
other stuff. Yeah, we can maybe do part two in a couple weeks when I can come back and then all this other stuff is announced and we can really talk about it, you know? Oh, okay. Well, dude, I, I 100% want a part two, man. And and maybe get you on the co-host sometime. We'll get some, that'll be fun, man. Get, get uh, right. you know, I was thinking about, I was talking to, to Matt, uh, maybe doing a second interview with him. Maybe get you yeah. on there and kind of talk about the past and stuff. Right. Absolutely. Did you, now did you, uh, yeah, did you, do you know the Corey Taylor story? Do you know the Corey Taylor, Tom Hazard story? Uh, if you, if you, if you, if he you mentioned know. you in my interview once. I, I had to send that to you. I, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. Why don't you tell, well, we got four minutes. Why don't you tell that? We'll, well, no, we'll that. wrap it up with this. This is a great, and maybe if we have time, I'll tell you my, I almost got in a fight with Fred Durst's story too, because they're both classic. All so, right. I went, so when, Slipknot was in LA. There was a time when me and Corey were kind of like best friends, like a good year Whoa. period where, you know, I was at least in his top three. We hung out all the time. He every time he was in LA, he'd come over, hang out, sleep in my sleep on my floor. Like he was my dude, right? That was kind of how Depp's Law got their part of their deal. He wanted to sign them. He came and I lived with them for a while, and we we kind of all shared a house. And he came over to the house and hung out with them, and they jammed for him, and he fell in love, and he wanted to sign them. Slipknot at the time was starting a label. And he wanted to sign them to the, and the label never ended up happening. Um, but he was still pissed at me for years because we signed to somebody else, but their label never even ended up happening. So, ah, but anyway, so one night, well, it, yeah, and it was kind of when they were in LA and they were making subliminal verses. So I was kind of, I was kind of around when they were making Iowa at the record plant. And I was kind of around when they were making subliminal verses at the Houdini mansion. And that's uh, so the one that me and Corey and his ex-wife Scarlett, we go out and they're, they're staying at the Hyatt. We go... So this is when Steel Panther was still called Metal Shop, and they played every... So Steel Panther for years played every week in L.A. Like, at first it was at the Viper Room, and then it got big, and it moved up to the Key Club, which is now something else but up the street. And uh, so every... I think it was every Tuesday then. They were originally they were called Metal School, then Metal Shop, then Steel Panther, right? So this was either Metal School or Metal Shop. I think it was Metal School. So we went to go watch them at the Viper Room. Corey got up on stage and did a song with them and just got... Dude, it was fucking hammered. So we get over to the hotel. I drop them off. We walk across the street. I drop Corey and Scarlett off at the hotel. And uh, fuck, I got to hurry up. It's like a countdown. <laughs> now. So, so anyway, so we uh, I get back to my hotel. I get back to my apartment in Hollywood. I'm going to get out of the cab. And Scarlett texts me and goes, hey, Biggie, can you come? Corey calls me Biggie. But he, she goes, can you come back here? Corey's freaking out. I, I need your help. So I make my, I'm not even out of my cab yet. I make him turn around, bring me back to the hideout. I go in the room's trash. They're fighting. Corey's like just hammered, belligerent, like fuck. It was, it was awful, man. It was just one of those like, you know. So Corey goes outside and long story short, he attempts to jump. We're on like the 11th floor or something. He attempts to, they still had open balconies up by the time. He goes outside, jumps up on the ledge and attempts to jump off the balcony. I grab him as he's forward momentum over the balcony. Grab him. Oh, jeez. Lay him on the ground and just start fucking beating the shit out of him. And they tell the story way different. Like, oh, at first it was like, oh, Scarlet stopped me. Like, no, but it's funny. People like, oh, it was this friendly thing, gesture. You say, no, it's like, no, it was a really violent, like, fucking, you know, but it was just like your drunk friend, like, doing something in a bad spot. But I literally, like, tackled him to the ground and started beating the fucking shit. Like, I mean, it was like that. It wasn't like this gentle, like friendly fucking thing, you know, it was that it was, it was, but anyway, so, and I never talked about it. You know, when you work in this business, your mouth stays fucking shut. You don't, what you see, what you hear, what you do, you don't fucking talk about it. You just shut up, you know? So I never yeah. talked about it. Two years later, Corey told the story. It was on the cover of Crying, but I kind of got left out of it. 
And then oh, your name didn't get in there. That sucks. No, it didn't. I got left out of it for like for years and years. And then Corey just one day somebody sent me a link and Corey started saying really nice stuff and about how I saved his life and how I was one of the most there was an article about you know the Corey Taylor, these are the people who made me who I am. And I was in there and and again, and I love the guy and I would do anything for him. And but yeah, so I mean we're not like BFFs and you know, I we don't even really but yeah, no, it's cool. He still talks about me and still says nice thing. And God bless Corey. I love you. And glad I did it, man. I would save you 50 more times if I could. So there you go. There's the Corey Taylor story. There's Corey Taylor. And look, we're going to have you back on. Thank you so much for being on, Tom. And let's we're going to have you on for sure. Uh, cool. I want to have you on multiple times, man. You're the All man, right. dude. All right, uh, I, I, we probably have enough to talk about where I could do like 50 of them. I hate it. <laughs> anyway, oh. but yeah. I'm going to text you when we jump up here. I'm going to text you real quick and we'll, uh, we'll reconnect for a couple more minutes and just kind of shut off the record. So awesome. Sounds good. Tom Hazard. You're the man. Thank you, buddy. I'll talk to you in a minute. All right. See you, bro. Hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with the man, Tom Hazard. We could have talked forever. I mean, it was, and uh, this is, this is embarrassing, but I don't have a, a a Zoom account. So if you notice, we were we 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 had to stop twice, and towards the end, the countdown goes on because Zoom, you have to have a membership. Uh, I guess I'm gonna have to pay money now to actually have full interviews, but we'll probably have them on again. That was probably one of the longer interviews I've done on Zoom, obviously, because it cut me off. So anyhow, um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I grew up. I mean, I I found out about Tom when I was probably 19 or 20 years old. And he's always been in all these bands that I grew up listening to, not in the bands, but, you know, hanging around the bands and, you know, doing his thing, which you've heard in the interview. Anyway, hope you guys enjoyed it. And please like and subscribe my channel. And uh, awesome. Take care, guys. Thank you.